Tell me something. Yeah. Uh, what, what? What? So I don't want to look like extremely unattractive, like like whatever, like oh, make yeah. my belly look shitty. Yeah. What way like looks the best? Like, how should I fucking posture myself? Because I don't want to look uh, shitty, like that shitty. Aaron, you know? that's a good question. Um, you came to the right place. Uh, <laughs> Good way um, to start. So far, every podcast, like, my, like, thighs from, which I'm not normally insecure about, but they're normally not seen from, like, this <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. taking up, like, a third of the frame. Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> woo! Uh, normally, like, thick thighs are kind of in right now, but, like, oh, more yeah. from, like, you know, the top, sort of, like... I can't believe that I just said that when I knew I was being recorded. Uh, Oh, my God. Uh, Welcome to National Prayer Breakfast. Yeah, that's our... Uh, National fucking Kratom Breakfast. Kratom forever. I say. Wait. There we... Is that a clean slate? Uh, no, it doesn't have to be. I can clip that part out. You can clip it out. Um, welcome to National Prayer Breakfast. Howie? You're here with your host, Aaron Scarborough. Yep, keep talking. Uh, I got a spoonful of Kratom. And, uh... Helps the medicine go down. And me, Keith Gass. Mm Mm-hmm. Published author on Patreon. (laughs) Um... Cray train! Uh, when I worked at Sarpino's, uh, I got everyone there hooked on Kratom, which was honestly, like, extremely uh, professional because it, the Kratom kind of helped curb the, uh, uh, like, um, rig. What's the, what is it called? The dabs? They were doing dabs, like, out the back door of the store, like, <laughs> by the dumpsters, what? and there would be, like, dishes piling up, and you would go back there, and there would be, like, a blowtorch heating up a nail, and someone, like, preparing wax on a pin. Jesus Christ. So, I, and it, yeah, it's, like, takes a shitload of time. You're well. a real, uh, you're a real Loki, you know that? Well, that's the thing, like, weed, getting real high on weed doesn't make someone more, uh, productive. At work. No. Kratom, however, you're like whipping out doughs. People are drinking caffeine, smoking cigarettes. Yes. Kratom. They're getting dishes done. I'm not even fucking kidding you. And everyone in the store got hooked on it. Yeah. Um, and we would call it the Kratom train. We're like, we're all jumping on <laughs> The Kratom train. <laughs> you, uh, you are kind of... Uh, you you have created like several small cults in your time. I know. Uh, that's based around very, very lame things. <laughs> You're a uh, purveyor of kratom. <laughs> you're in, you're an evangelical kratom guy. <laughs> you're a kratom Rastafarian of some sort. Um, I guess it's my turn to talk. Well, that used to be my. Uh, I mean, I used to be that with weed. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, at least with kratom, like no one's. Um. 
I don't know. The weed thing, like, it's so exhausting just having the same conversation about the drug war. (laughs) Like, every pothead, when they meet another pothead, thinks they have to, like, explain this as if everyone's not aware of it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, you're all stoners. You all know about the... (laughs) You all know what the DEA is. Yes, of course. Uh, You all know about uh, fucking William Randolph Hearst and... And, uh, and his, like, paper company. Um, that's, like... <laughs> excuse me. Um, that's sort of my beef with weed. Like, um, those kind of conversations are just, like, overdone, I feel like. But also, like, the conversations were... <laughs> <laughs> and I would participate in this, but, like, where people are, like... It's literally not addictive. You literally literally can't get addicted to it, which I guess it's, like, like physically addictive. Yeah. Um, In the same way that, like, alcohol, if you're a bad alcoholic, stop drinking, you could die. Yeah. Um, A, uh, what are they, like, barbiturates or whatever, like, Klonopin, you stop taking it, suddenly you could have a seizure. Weed, you're not physically... Dependent, but physical addiction is basically nothing. Like, yeah, the physical addiction of cigarettes lasts like uh, seventy two hours. Yeah, after seventy two hours, you're no longer physically addicted to cigarettes. Obviously, it doesn't get you know it, your addiction doesn't disappear after no because the physical thing is basically nothing. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it's so disingenuous. It's like that's well, not yeah. I don't sex smoke. isn't physically addictive. Food isn't physically addictive. I ain't but... smoking for my body, motherfucker. You yeah, know? exactly. Uh, Just as like you can't get addicted to it. And it's like well, I don't. I remember feeling like I would do literally anything yeah. to get you know like <laughs> I remember uh, wanting it more than anything I've wanted anything in my life when a dealer wasn't texting back like. Oh sure. Um, um, and I've seen this amongst other people. Like it just, it's just like doesn't make any sense. Um, I, you see people, you see like a pothead like scraping resin out of like a glass thing and like hacking their lungs out, like trying to smoke ash. They're yes. trying to re-smoke ash. They're like, it's literally not physically addictive. They're like, those fucking stoner potheads. I, I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I mean, they're, uh, I'm a, I'm not a stoner. I'm an artist. Well, I'm yeah. realizing we might be alien. I am an artist. Who happens to um, smoke a little weed, you know. Listen. A little bit. I'm not trying to be self-righteous. I'm not trying to alienate our, our audience. You were certainly. offended because I went after you for being Kratom, a Kratom Christian. Uh, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. No, I'm not offended. <laughs> Fully, people... Everyone has many addictions. Just be honest about it. Yeah. Uh, yes, 100%. Just be... Just don't... Don't, like, do that shit. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, that's like me if I was like, Doritos literally aren't addictive. <laughs> <laughs> you physically, you literally, you can't get addicted. <laughs> you know how I knew I was going to get fat, Aaron? Yeah. You know how I knew I was going to get fucking fat? We, I was really skinny as a kid. I was like, because I had bad asthma, I would uh-huh. throw up all the time. Like, yeah. I couldn't keep things down except for, like, meat sticks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So I was still really skinny because I would, like, throw things up so easily. Like, I think it's because it was, like, at the amount of food. I would get, like, gagged on. Anyway, sickly child. <laughs> I was really thin. I was uh, born underweight, all this kind of shit. 
fun fact, being born underweight actually correlates with higher obesity. Get the so fuck you want out a big fat baby. Yeah, you want a big fat baby. Really? But anyway, um, we had an uncle that was like fat, so I guess it was on my mind this day. We were staying at my aunt and uncle's house, and I took a bag of Doritos and I locked myself in their van. And my brother and sister were like, no, give us some. I was eating the Doritos. And I was like eating the Doritos. Oh my and I was God. like, no, you'll get fat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was like sort of the beginning. Uh, and I, you know, but my brother and sister are thin. So I literally sacrificed myself uh, <laughs> and ate those Doritos um, to protect them. Well, Keith, thank you for sharing your story. Um your testimony. Uh, you had some uh, content to for us to make judgments on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is a new segment we're going to beta test um, called, uh, you know, we're reacting to cringe TikToks, but maybe we call it like, you know, first breakfast or uh, maybe like leftovers would be a good yeah. sort of thing like this. Maybe some sort of Tolkienian reference. We yeah. Well, we should uh, we should sound get, off in the comments. We need a, we need an advertiser so that it can be like brought to you by, uh, you know, Chick Fil A or whatever. Yeah, dude, I'd fucking love a Chick Fil A advertisement. That wouldn't that be great? What if they? I they, love their nuggets. The good thing about right wing Christian fascists is that they uh, enjoy. Um, they basically enjoy laughing at themselves. They have a, they have the ability to laugh at themselves. That's one of the main attributes of a fascist. That's what I hear. Um, so maybe they would be down. Well, I was thinking maybe they'd be down. I could be their Candace Owens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We are planning a, uh... Uh, so the goal is with this is to build a following uh, that is sycophantic uh, and cult-like, and then we will do a an ideological one eighty uh, and go from um, whatever we are. Uh, every view changes overnight. Every view changes overnight because it is monetizable. Uh, yeah, so have fun being whatever you are, young man, uh, uh, whatever, because uh, it's about to get real Christian up in this bitch. Well, the thing about Chick-fil-A is, like, basically every gay eats Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, the, the gays that are not eating Chick-fil-A are the bisexual women with boyfriends. Sure. They're the ones that are protesting uh, Chick-fil-A the most. Uh, yeah. Gays and lesbians love Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Uh, you know. The irony's fun, right? It's yeah, a fun yeah. thing. That's why I buy my supplies at Hobby Lobby, not to support Hobby Lobby. Uh, I, um, but I think it's funny to buy their dirt-cheap materials and create socialist propaganda out of it. Like, uh, yeah, fuck them. Yeah. That is you know? funny. Um the dude, fucking, we need to get into this. But Hobby Lobby, their cash registers are right next to the door, um, and like in the summer, maybe that's fine. But in the winter, like every time someone entered the store, like I was checking out, like you get blasted with ice cold wind, like those <laughs> yeah. f- poor cashiers. 
yeah, the, um, yeah, it's it's. They don't need birth control because their bodies are inhospitable to life. Well, yeah. They were all wearing coats. I was like, what the fuck is this? Well, those are jobs that aren't meant to be forever. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Hobby Lobby yeah. notoriously has a lot of like high school <laughs> high school cashiers. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it, that's a funny thing because it's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's for 16-year-olds. Yeah. It's like, 16-year-olds should be laboring to help their family. <laughs> yeah. They need to be saving up to make a down payment, you know? Oh. Uh, so they should be working at McDonald's for no oh. money. <clears throat> uh, or they should be doing unpaid internships, yeah. you know? Um. Or they get their act together, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, and they could be a billionaire like they, Kylie Jenner. Yes. She, you know what? Single mother. Billionaire. <laughs> what's, what's your excuse? What's your excuse? She had a baby in oh. high school. She started a billion dollar company all about <laughs> nursing an infant. What is your excuse? What the fuck is your excuse? She ran an empire. And you know what? That's that's proof that it's genetic, you know, because her mom is also that way, an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> well, her mom is a, a business owner. Her mom is an evil genius. I mean, mm-hmm. all these ideas were her mother. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, I think everyone knows that. Of course, but, uh, yeah, she's a, a fucking demon. Yeah, she was. Uh, well, let's not. Let's not. Uh, wait, <laughs> uh, they drew, were drawing us back in. <clears throat> Uh, the Kardashians. Yeah. Where, um, oh, <laughs> you're like... Uh, uh, it, you're... <coughs> they are Voldemort. Uh, you're like Bilbo trying to part with the ring right now. <laughs> like, um, the Kardashians. We can't make every episode about the Kardashians. Yes. And I want to, in fact, though that probably would be great for views, because people... Um, Let's do it. Uh... Yeah, so um, we were talking about Hobby Hobby Lobby. Hob Lob, uh, solid uh, business plan there. Yeah. So what they do is they inflate the price of their products, uh, and then every other week it's fifty percent off on like whatever you're looking for. So that way you entrap consumers who don't look. At the uh, whatever. Yes. And price gouge them. Uh, which, would, which would be me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, though that is sort of every <clears throat> fucking store. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like Black Friday was yesterday. Oh, God. Literally, they just like... I mean, some of it is actually good deals, but like... Since Black Friday is such a big thing... They don't have to actually have sales to get people to go. Dude, people just want to participate. It's all... Di- yeah. It- so, like, they just raise the price beforehand and then slashed. Um, or lie about the raise price. Kohl's- the thing is, people don't care. They don't... It's not about that for them. Like, okay. you know, right? Can I talk about Kohl's for a second? Absolutely. I fucking hate Kohl's. Um... Yeah. My husband calls it Cahols, like he can't figure out the, yeah. <laughs> the letter. Not a na- ing- native English speaker, but uh, 
He was real into Cahol's for a bit. Uh, he got way into the Coles cash. He's like, we got, we got to use our Coles cash. It's expiring. Like, you buy something with Coles cash and like you can't use it for a week, and then there's like a week window. Yes. Um, it's so fucking stupid. Uh, Coles cash is crypto for girls, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he's like, we gotta use our Kohl's cash, and everything at Kohl's is like some kind of bizarre sale where it's like buy two, get forty percent off, and then you can use your Kohl's cash. Yeah. So he was busy. I had a day off. He's like, okay, go use our Kohl's cash. We also have this like promotion for thirty percent off. Yeah. So I went there, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to spend money. <laughs> spending money is a hundred percent dis. Like not spending money is a hundred percent discount. So, like, I don't even want to buy anything. So, I was like, I'll just buy something cheap to use this shit. So, I was like, I'll buy a pack of socks. Mm-hmm. Think about me. I, I change my socks, like, four times a day. Yeah. I love a new, fresh pair of socks. Yes. So, I have, like, 200 pairs of the exact same kind of sock. But yes. I was like, I will get another pack of this. They're, like, the Hanes, whatever. Yeah. Um, they also sell them at Walmart. So, the price of Kohl's of the exact same product was so much higher that after using, like, $10 of Kohl's cash and a 30% discount, it was, like, $2 cheaper than the same pack at Walmart. Oh, my God. That is what Kohl's is. It's just, yeah. you know, um, the rest of their clothes are probably, <clears throat> are definitely higher quality than Walmart. Walmart's, yeah. like, their brand of clothes is dog shit. But, like, whatever, like, these socks, hang socks, they just charged way more. Sure. And, um... Are we gonna? I, I hate them. Look, are we gonna? Are we gonna cringe? Or are yeah, we gonna we're gonna fucking cringe. cringe. So let's uh, let's put on some purple. Hey, if you're listening to this on Apple Music or Spotify, we have a YouTube exclusive section where we're reacting to cringe TikToks and talking about uh, TikTok influencer trends in general. It's pretty fun. About forty five minute bonus section. One of my favorite parts of this episode, it starts around the 17-minute mark, so go check it out. Thanks, guys. Uh. <clears throat> so, we've got some popcorn here. Yeah. Actually, you want to put that in the middle? I Can suppose that is fair. <clears throat> I'm going to do another uh, another Kratom, Which Kratom I was, bump. I was telling Aaron, uh, this popcorn is so good, you had a little bit of MSG. And people Does it watching, make it more filling, you think? No, it just has a... Well, I'll get into that. It but, tastes um, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it makes it taste great. People are probably like hearing this and like, no, MSG bad. So the interesting is interesting, the origin of the demonization of MSG is... Uh, this is in like the 80s or 90s, a guy went and ate at a Chinese restaurant... Mm -hmm. He ate a bunch of it, and then he felt kind of sick after. He had like a, you know, light headache, Mm -hmm. stomach, or whatever. So, he was like looking up what was in Chinese food. And he found MSG, and he's like, I don't know what that is. That must be it. So, he just assumed that he felt shitty that day because MSG. And that, like, blew up, and now... It's like the situation with the hot coffee at McDonald's. Uh, Yeah. So, 
it's true, like, if you eat Americanized Chinese food, and you eat a lot, which you tip, it's typically a food you overeat because it's so good, I'm you're going to feel shitty. You can take that. You don't like kiwi? No, I do. I just, I already had my share. Um, if you eat a lot, you know, you eat a shitload of Chinese food, Americanized Chinese food, it's loaded with salt and sugar. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. So, of course, it makes you feel bad. And it's often fried. Like, mm-hmm. general, so chicken is fried meat covered in sugar and salt. Mm-hmm. Of course, you feel like shit after eating it. So, he, you know, unfairly maligned MSG and, like, it's never gone away <clears> since. So, the chemical monosodium glutamate, um, it's actually good to use in cooking because you can reduce the sodium in the dish, but, mm-hmm. get, and, but get, like, the same amount of, like, flavor. If you sort of do like a 50 50, mm-hmm. um, it's much lower sodium than salt. And uh, glutamates are a chemical compound that really like, uh, like packs a like umami punch in food. So there's ways if you are whatever still bigoted against MSG, you can add glutamate naturally to your food. Um, Parmesan cheese has tons of glutamate. Yeah. So you can like grate Parmesan cheese finely, put it in a stew. Sun-dried tomatoes, I believe, have a lot of glutamate. Ooh, fuck yeah. Um, mushrooms. So have you ever oh, used mushroom, mushroom powder? Uh-uh. So you can go, you can order it online like Amazon, but you can also like go to the store, buy like a big bag of shiitake mushrooms is what I usually do. Mm-hmm. Use a coffee grinder, turn the shiitake mushrooms into powder. And then you can just add like a big scoop of that to like a soup whatever it uh will thicken it because it like rehydrates mm-hmm. um but it's so like finely ground up you don't really taste mushroom uh the mushroom tastes good anyway shiitake mushrooms but it just sort of adds like a depth and savoriness to any dish using mushroom powder <clears throat> you can have i've used it in um alfredo sauce like a mushroom alfredo oh fuck that sounds amazing you add some truffle salt for a little bit of truffle flavor, and then you add some mushroom, like you rehydrate the mushroom powder, add it in, maybe rehydrate it with like some milk or something, <clears throat> add it into the Alfredo sauce. Fuck, it's so good. fucking good. I want to learn how to cook eventually. Like I, I, I would like for you to be the one to teach me as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it is just like I learned a lot by trial and error, and then I started watching tons of YouTube like yeah recipe videos, like Laura Vitali, Food Wishes. Um, so another thing on TikToks we could get into is like the TikTok cooking videos, there's no intention of you making that dish. Often mm-hmm. they don't even provide a recipe list. It's way too fast <clears throat> to impart any information. They're just like ketchup, mustard, fry. Uh, you know, it's such like quick clips that you don't you miss all the nuance of you know a lot of getting better at cooking in my opinion is learning some like learning to taste your food um, and, like, taste for what's missing. Mm-hmm. So, um, one way to make t- food taste better, and this is what most restaurants do, is just add a shitload of fat and salt and sugar. Of course. Um, which works because restaurants' food tastes amazing, but... Um, it also makes it unhealthy, and it's sort of a um, an artful way of making food taste better. So, like, <clears throat> ways around that is I can taste the food and figure out, you know, you don't actually want it salty or it's salty enough, but 
maybe you want um, it doesn't have any fresh notes of like right. you know fresh parsley finished over it. It doesn't have a lot of it, a lot of one thing that like really changed the game for me is acidity um, in the food. Yeah. So you dig it. Yeah. I mean, it's um, adding acid to your food actually kind of makes it taste less salty. Um, but okay. it, it adds like another dimension that just makes food. I mean, it just levels it up. Uh, it's like a um, like the main components of, of cooking are like uh, salt, acid, fat, and heat. Mm-hmm. And acid, I feel like, is the one that's people don't think. You wouldn't think of it as being as important as heat or fat. No. Um, but it is. So cooking with wine is a really great way to do that. Um, obviously, any like... More. Um, yeah. Lemon juice or whatever, but wine's really great, like a white wine, because it also has... it's It adds, like, other components of flavor to the food. It adds yeah. some, like, sugar to it, which is good. And it's, you know, adds a lot of... Acidity. Also, the alcohol helps draw out the, like the flavonoids of other components. So, that sounds cook amazing. with wine, people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <clears throat> I guess we could uh, we could incorporate a, a cooking portion every episode if people like it. Um. You uh, you mentioned something about talking about uh, the World Cup. Well, the World Cup is happening right now mm-hmm. in Qatar. Qatar. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of chatter about the World Cup because Qatar basically bribed their way into hosting the World Cup. If you don't know much, do you know much about Qatar? No. Um... They are extremely small country, but they have an extremely large, like, oil, like, mm-hmm. um, they own, like, a, a big part of, like, the Gulf that is filled with, like, you know, oil, like, offshore Is their oil, oil industry nationalized, or is it... Uh, something like that, yes. So... Okay. Their entire population is extremely rich. Yeah, so it's like a Dubai sort of situation. Exactly. Um, And Qatar, they're a small country, so their Mm -hmm. workforce is like 95, or like their country is, the population of their country is 95% non-citizen migrant Mm -hmm. worker. So uh, a lot of South Asian, um, South American and these also are the authoritarian places. Um, so even if you're not like an immigrant from South Asia or something, like if you go to Saudi Arabia to work there, like they take your visa when you enter the country. So you can't leave the country and like enter another country without your visa. That's why the that reminds me of the brave uh, uh, CIA operatives from the film Argo. I haven't seen it. Really. You haven't watched that? I've heard it's good, but I don't really... It's not... Well, I don't I didn't like it. I don't like fuck it. with Ben Affleck too much, but... Uh, no, uh, I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, I thought it was ridiculous. It's like, it's very one-sided. And, of course, I, I'm inclined to not like anything about a CIA agent who's a hero. 
yeah. uh, during like a fucking Cold Warrior. Um, and that's what that movie is. Uh, so a lot of the criticism of Qatar is um, Qatar. Um, Americans we call it Qatar, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like this huge stadium was built by all migrant workers. I mean, they're the only people that work in their country. It's almost like Sparta. Yeah. Um, like ancient Sparta, Greece, like was like their entire the workforce slave was slaves. Mm-hmm. They they were all warriors. So mm-hmm. you were either a slave or you were a Spartan. Mm-hmm. A horrible place, uh, despite what three hundred would tell you. Mm-hmm. Horrible, horrible culture. Um, but. I guess like 6,500 migrant workers have died in Qatar since they started building this um, stadium. Not from that specifically, but just in general, like... Yeah. It's, uh... I don't know. I mean, a lot of it's valid. I saw people pointing out the other option to host this World Cup was America. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, a lot of our uh, workforce is also migrant workers. Mm-hmm. Um in fact, basically all of our fruits are picked by them. Right. And all vegetables. And we treat them horribly. Um, side note, did you know that, um, like, there was a lot of, like, slavery going on, like, pretty recently, like, in Georgia, of migrant workers? There was, um, like, <clears throat> these, like, rich farmers that had a bunch of illegal immigrants or whatever they weren't being paid whatever Devin Lovato wants us to call them uh, migrant workers they weren't getting paid and they weren't they're being told they weren't allowed to leave so the this was under Trump the federal government found out about that mm-hmm. they had slaves they deported the the slaves mm-hmm. that was the reaction um, right so I think it's kind of being addressed under Biden like he's like they're getting prosecuted now the slave owners um mm-hmm Boy, that is a tough one to explain off in the prison. Uh, yeah. That, well, not that they will ever see it, but... Well, hopefully they do. I mean... I don't... I, I don't hold my breath. I'm eating kiwis. Uh, another fun food fact. One of the only real superfoods. You hear the term superfood thrown out of, around a lot? Yes. Most of it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, kiwis are actually a real superfood. Huge amount of vitamins compared to any other fruit or vegetable yeah. and minerals. They also, what really makes them superfoods is they have an enzyme that uh, it's like a, it breaks down like, uh, I think like proteins or whatever. It helps your digestion. It helps your digestion like really well. So much so that like it's, it uh, like it, it improves your like, your, um, like absorption of nutrients. <clears throat> That's incredible. Um, a lot of di- digestion has to do with like is related to like overeating and this sort of thing, like mm-hmm. having a bad gut. So kiwis amazing for you, and that enzyme is also you can use as a um, in like a marinade to mm-hmm. help like tenderize meat. So uh, beef bulgogi, which is a Korean dish, they use the Asian pear, which has this like a similar enzyme. Mm-hmm. You can use kiwis if you're making bulgogi uh, in place of that. Well, I'll be goddamned. I'll be goddamned. Uh, Keith, what have you been listening to lately, music-wise? Well, Lana Del Rey. 
So, well, you checked out her new album, or not her new album? Her, yeah, uh, her best one, in your opinion. In my opinion, uh, Norman fucking Rockwell. Norman fucking Rockwell. Um, it is good, but I mean, Keith and I. Like, there's always been a, uh, a barrier, because Keith is into pop music, uh, and I'm into metal and stuff like that. And when we were in college, I was into the most, like, stereotypical, annoying, indie, hipster, college yeah. rock bullshit that you could possibly imagine. One thing about you is you Arcade are... Fire. One thing like, about you that is, um... Well, there's some interesting things about your music taste. Mm-hmm. Aaron tends to, and no offense... Which all of all of us think that we have the best taste in music usually. Mm-hmm. Aaron hasn't realized that everyone else sort of has that feeling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I am totally dogmatic. I saw someone they I saw a reel the other day. They're like, if you could only listen to ten albums for the rest of your life, and they were all like artists I'd never heard of, and but but two of them, and there was like a repeat of each was Switchfoot and Reliant K. And in that person's mind, they think they have the best taste in music. Yeah. And whatever you listen to, they would be like, you listen to fucking Lana Del Rey? You yeah. fucking idiot. When there's Switchfoot out there? When there's there? Switchfoot? Mm-hmm. When there's Reliant K? So when there's Azalea dying out there? That's the thing about... Uh, but anyway, a lot of people are like this, you know, like judgmental of other people's music taste. Mm-hmm. But one thing that is good about you is you're kind of a chameleon. You'll... Your music taste will shift over the years. All so the you time. Do, uh, you tend to appreciate many different types. <clears throat> yeah, I burn myself out on everything eventually because I go too hard into whatever genre I get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's taken many forms. Like, I've varied... And they've all had varying degrees of a toxic effect on how I treat others. Uh, the Like, a couple of years ago... During the year 2020, out of fucking nowhere, I had this, like, weird Elton John phase. I remember. Where all I wanted to hear was Elton John, because mm. I discovered, like, the the albums. Uh, I discovered, uh, you know, I had heard all the singles from it, of course, but... And Mad I'm sure Man he is across a, the, or, a talented musician, right? Like... Yes, great he, piano he's a yeah, he's a brilliant composer, and the guy who wrote his lyrics, Bernie Taupin, was phenomenal as well. Mm. Uh, and he was he was a musical like prodigy kind of guy, like mm-hmm. he was uh, brilliant, and he made the best like pop, uh, you know, country music at times. He was obsessed with country music. Yeah, what is Elton John's genre? Um. <clears throat> I mean, rock and roll, I guess he's old enough that it it still classifies as, like, when rock was just, like, kind of figuring itself out. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he was, like, to me, he represents more of a commercial thing. Like, he's more commercial than David Bowie. Uh, but he, uh, he was one of those pop stars like Lana Del Rey in that sense where he had the fucking talent and, uh, you know... He found a way to uh, have it best in both worlds. It's great fucking music artistically, and I would imagine it'd be very satisfying to write, uh, but it also had major mass appeal. Yeah. Um, well, that's a David Bowie's a good comparison to Elton John mm-hmm. because they're sort of they're sort of 
comparable to each other in a way that like a Lady Gaga and a Lana Del Rey are. Those mm-hmm. artists are all sort of playing characters. Um, mm-hmm. Some more overtly than others, like David Bowie is very... Um, I'll throw Prince in there in the same yeah, yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Bowie, like, very much, like, he was like, yes, I'd play characters, you know, mm-hmm. for, for different eras or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, like, Lady Gaga, Lana Del Rey, they're not... Um, they have a, a fake name and they also have a persona that they're putting on to uh, play into this character, you know? Right. Um, I don't think, like, I obviously, like, I think David Bowie, in hindsight, I think that his music is, like, I, I have more of appreciation for David Bowie than I do Lana Del Rey, as of right now. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, I do think, like, if you were to compare the two, if, like, if you have Lana Del Rey and Lady Gaga, like, Lana Del Rey would be the the Bowie, of course, right? She's more of the singer-songwriter side of, I mean, Lady Gaga's She's made, like, concept albums and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, Well, I guess Gaga has as well. They're doing different things. Like Gaga, uh, she she writes she does she does write her music, but Uh Gaga she she shines in her performance. I mean, yeah, and that's when her last album came out during the pandemic. It was sort of a bummer because like Gaga fucking live is just crazy. Like her at those award shows, she just steals the show. Like there's no you can't fuck with her there. she is God in the minds of her fans, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and she puts, like, the the, the biggest productions. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing now with, like, there's a real gender gap in live performance, in my opinion. Like, women, because, and it's really, it's, it's sort of a negative in a way that, like, they're expected to all be, to be able to do everything in a live show. Yeah. I think it's sort of, like, maybe started with Madonna. Mm-hmm. Um... And who who was around in an era when Michael Jackson was just, like, this crazy performer. Yeah. So, like, Madonna was, like, a singer, but she also did these crazy dances, these huge sets. Mm-hmm. And now, like, it's sort of the standard for pop girls to, like, sing live, play an instrument, mm-hmm. dance, and have, like, a huge, like, stage. Um, and... We don't really have that for male performers now. There's some that, like, The weekend, like, he's a you know, great live performer. But if you watch these award shows, like, the female artists will be, like, dancing, running around the stage, they'll play a piano for a section, and and they're, like, if they're not singing live, they'll get shit on. And then just Shawn Mendes is just standing still at a mic, just, like, playing a guitar, maybe. Yeah. Um, And it's just, like, what the fuck? Uh, The difference between them is just so... It's insane. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, who are some, some other, like, like, modern pop stars that you think are in the canon, like, like, Lana Del Rey, like, I like her a lot more than Lady Gaga, but she doesn't have near the following still, probably, as Lady Gaga. Yeah. And she's huge, of course. Well, Lana's not, like, a giant performer like that, you know, yeah. she's not over the top, so it's sort of like, um... Her music videos aren't as creative or grand as Lady Gaga, so she's 
hers is more of just the lyrics, you know. Yeah. Like she's she's not a grand vocalist like Adele or something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah. So Lana's influence has been very under the surface. Her she got shit on a lot in her first album. Like, uh, you know, her she was sort of started putting on a voice like that artificially low like video. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's all the the themes of the music were very like pastiche and just like people like shit on it like crazy, but it completely changed the landscape of pop. Like every artist, if you go back and listen to it now, it's fucking it's so that born to die. It's fucking incredible. It's it's so good and like reviewers were giving that like moderate ratings and like fives and stuff Mm -hmm. out of ten, but now. Like they'll rank her albums, and albums that got reviewed and got a nine and you know nine point five or something will be rated third, and like the Born to Die is like second or first, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but and that's because she's had such a huge influence on pop. At that time when she came out, like it was all about you know like the Katy Perry doing like the California girls, yeah. So it was like fun, uh, celebratory partying, you know, you had, like, the party rock anthem, like, all that shit yeah. happening at the time, and then Lana came in, and it was just, like, this sad, brooding, confessional um, pop, and since then, you've seen Lord, yeah. you've seen Billie Eilish, yeah. you've seen other pop stars move into this more moody, um, y- you know, like, uh, Taylor Swift's, like, folk <clears throat> albums are just a direct... Uh, yeah, Lana. Uh, I mean, it, uh, she's open about that. Like, mm-hmm. she, basically, she, it was her writing Lana Del Rey songs. Um, even like a like a Gaga's like Joanne. She album. Uh, she's kind of like the uh, in her scene. She's the Frank Ocean, probably. You know, Frank Ocean like revolutionized. Uh, you know, hip hop, rap, like every he had influence in everything. Mm-hmm. He was. Uh, and not just for like the being the first openly gay or one of the first openly gay, you know, R and B singers. Um, he, uh, I feel like him and Earl Sweatshirt and you know Odd Future. Who looking back now, I love what they did. Like, I, I dig Odd Future. And they, that was probably the exact same time that like Lana was coming out too. Yeah, yeah, all around the same time. But yeah, they had an influence on uh, on pop music and hip hop. Like it became more uh, introspective. I think sometimes more bold. Uh, Tyler the Creator is a very funny dude. Dude, uh, fucking uh, Beyonce's Lemonade album. You know, but prior to that, every Beyonce song was like, "I'm that bitch. I'm a girl. I'm yeah. a queen." And then she's just like, you know ripping her heart out talking about like what her what her thoughts were like realizing her husband was cheating on her like Mm -hmm. that's a direct uh you know that's a direct thing that like came from lana's you know especially her early work that was just very sad and she the characters in her songs are hopeless um they're, like they're kind they're of getting tragic. abused by men. Mm-hmm. Like, have you listened to her Ultraviolence song mm-hmm. or that album? Yeah, all her. She's that like, one got rave reviews. Yeah, like she's with this. She's with like an older man that's just like cares more about his drugs and like in that song she's like, 
he hit me and it felt like a kiss. Yeah. Um, not like something. It's crazy that that's like you know it like that's sort of normal now to like have that sort of raw like confessional shit in your music. You know. Yeah. Um, have you ever gone down the the John Prine rabbit hole? Uh, no. No. Do you know who he was at all? Uh, I know the name, but I can't. I, I'm you want to pull out? Should we play like a little bit? We could play a couple samples of music. Um. <clears throat> yeah, did any of the uh, Norman fucking Rockwell songs stick out to you? No, because I was listening to it while painting and like not mm-hmm. um, paying attention. But I. Uh, That's the kind of album for me. Like I and probably because I'm into pop. Like mm-hmm. I have to sit with it for. A year maybe, yeah. And then, like, I'll slowly discover songs that at first I just kind of, yep, were invisible to me. I'm the same way about stuff. Sufjan Stevens' Carrie and Lowell was one of those for me where I, uh, when it came out, it, I was like, holy fuck, I I have to listen to this again right away, and I just like didn't stop listening to it uh, for so long. Mm-hmm. It was like two years of every day of my life listening to that album at least once. Uh, and now, like, I have kind of a different opinion about Sufjan Stevens. I still love him, but I don't want... Like, there's better things in the world than Sufjan Stevens. Uh, he used to be my favorite artist. Mm-hmm. Well, but that was before I realized... You know what was the biggest influential phase for me that kind of led me to where I'm at today, where I like prog, like progressive rock, psychedelic rock, metal, uh, that type of shit, all like uh, Pink Floyd, dude. Pink Floyd, um, I had a late in life Pink Floyd phase where I really got into them. You know, I learned the band members' names and I... Uh, I I read about the lore of Pink Floyd and yeah. shit like that. And it's a vast universe. They're perfectionists. They were, you know, they were so fucking good at making these concept albums that are spacey and long and drawn out. Uh, but uh, people... It's so well done that people were okay with it. They, they would listen to... Uh, you know, long, slow, sludgy guitar solos and stuff for mm-hmm. Pink Floyd. And I feel like that's... Pink Floyd created their own genre, and that's that's where, like, metal kind of... You know, they had a huge influence on metal. Uh, that kind of music's making a return as well, like... Oh, yeah. Because of streaming, which is cool. Psychedelic rock is amazing. Well, I you know I also just mean like the longer songs. Um, oh, I fucking hate a short song mm-hmm. so much. Th- this is the other trend. Like songs are getting both longer and like you know just big, long, like meandering guitar mm-hmm. solos, which is cool. Um, that Lana album has the Venice Bitch song has, mm-hmm. is like that. Um, but the other trend is like the TikTok influence trend of just these bullshit artists putting out barely any work, 
and their songs are at 90 seconds long. Yeah. And it, it's like, I hate you. And it's mm-hmm. like, some of them ha- are have potential to make good art or whatever, and they certainly have the audience. And they and you put out a 90-second song. Because it's more monetizable. They, yes, because they just want the TikTok, so mm-hmm. they, then they can sell their, you know, their brand trash on their Instagram. That's a slippery slope, too. I know people get rich off of that, but... Think about what you're doing. Think about the fan base that you are cultivating. Yes. It's the people with the shortest attention span. Yeah. They probably, most of them won't actually give a fuck They're about not going to fuck with you a year from now. Yeah. You'll be on OnlyFans. And this has happened with some of some artists I, uh, we can get into, but, um, mm-hmm. like, you see it with, like, I don't know, I, if, I, I'm not, like, that passionate about music, like, and I'm not musically that talented or whatever. Like, I yeah. played instruments growing up, but, like, not going to be my thing. If I was into it, I'd want to... I want, I'd want to do that, you know? Yeah. And I really respect artists that, even if I'm not the biggest fan of their music, that just keep making music. Yeah, it pro- being prolific is so... It's the greatest thing in the world. And it bums me out when an artist makes a pivot to acting or worse, selling makeup or yeah. whatever. It's just, like... You have a gift. But yeah, then, but what is wrong these, with you? These artists that, you know, maybe aren't as talented as, you know, whatever, a Rihanna. Um, like, there's the rapper Saweetie. She's, like, a female rapper. Mm-hmm. And she she makes catchy raps, but she just doesn't put out... Her songs are, like, 90 seconds. They have, they have like, the chorus repeats three times. There's one verse. There's no intro. There's no yeah. pre-chorus. There's no, there's no bridge. There's no hook. It's nothing. It's not a song. You haven't made a song yet. Let me know when it's done. Mm-hmm. This like ninety second piece of shit. I why why would I waste my time? There's nothing there. And of course, there's no the like. You're not making any kind of meaningful art. Yeah, you made a, a radio jingle. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, and I'm I can get down to some like you know mindless pop. Mm-hmm. Like, but I also want to distinguish just because like the. The punk in me has to uh, distinguish, in case there's anyone listening, Keith is not referring to punk bands that make a minute-long songs either, right? You're not talking about... I, there don't, are even, some, I don't even know about that. There there are, like, great punk bands, like, who have done, like, 12-minute-long albums, and before TikTok as well. It's not designed for the algorithm. It's just, like, conceptual shit where they're like, how efficient can we be in a minute, you know, like how, how good of a song is it? And that shit can be very interesting and fulfilling. That's what it sounds like. It's sort of, uh, very rarely, but that sounds like it's almost sort of, uh, completely throwing out the, like the structure of music and sort of rebuilding it from the ground up. Like, yes, what I'm talking about, they're not doing something. They're not making a 90-second song because it's what fits the song best. Mm-hmm. They're still... They're, they're letting... They're still the, using the format of, like, a chorus and a verse. Mm-hmm. They're just cutting out the parts that give songs depth. Like, a pop song, it, it you like, they work because, like, you... It's the uh, chorus or the hook is so fucking catchy. And mm-hmm. then they have this bridge that is, like, you know, recontextualizes mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. or... Expands on the theme, and they're just throwing that out because it's they don't need it for their ninety second TikTok, and yeah. that's why it's it sucks. Uh, yeah, 
I, I would imagine that would be terrible. I'm not really familiar with such artists, really. I just, I stick to my own shit on, on uh, Spotify and my friends who show me stuff. Uh, I, I, I just fucking love music. I think it's gonna, I think that trend is not gonna last, you know, like, um... Hopefully not. Uh... Like you said, like, these artists, they're not gonna have any longevity. There's, it's really a dumb idea, and mm. their brand, you know, like, if, if you're not putting out songs for years, um, and people just see you as, like, another Instagram influencer... Why would they give a fuck about your right? Uh, your stupid brand, your stupid, you know, your toothpaste or whatever. Uh huh. That's like, you know, whatever hot girl toothpaste, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, right. It's it's gonna die. You wanted to play something? What? Oh, uh, I, yeah. I thought we could play a couple songs. John uh, Ryan. Uh, you know, that's what I brought up. But there's probably more interesting things that we could play. I think. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Nice YouTube. Um, are you logged into the the company uh, YouTube? I mean, and when I say the company, I mean National Prayer Breakfast. No. I'm not. So, John Prine died at the beginning of the pandemic. He was oh. one of the first, like, celebrity casualties of, uh, COVID. I, uh... I had a comic book artist that I really liked his... They were an illustrator really died. That's a bummer. Um, yeah, it was heartbreaking, and it was horrifying, too. Uh, it was just like, fuck, uh, this is real, you know? Yeah. And it, <laughs> it, it was just like, whatever. I mean... I do, I do get annoyed when people overact about uh, celebrities dying. Uh, in, in fact, it's like almost kind of insulting. Yeah, well, as long as you're being authentic about it. Some of them just hit mm -hmm. you harder. Um, yeah, and some of them are people that... You don't even have to be the biggest like fan of the artist. It doesn't have to be your favorite artist. Like, Dude, like Whitney Houston bothered me. And I think it's yeah. because... Uh, not be because I was the biggest Whitney Houston fan, but because she had, like, gotten sober mm -hmm. so many times and then just, like, couldn't, like, couldn't stick to it. Like, that's what bothered me about it. And you could, I could feel that about any human, you know. It's, like, more of my reaction of, like, what a bummer addiction is. That, like, someone could be clean for years and then just, yeah. like, get sad and then die in a fucking bathtub. Well, and a lot, I think that a lot of uh, people who... Um, artists who sing about suffering and stuff like that, they have a unique ability, and John, this is, I'm talking about John Prine specifically here, because uh, he's a perfect example, but when you listen to a John Prine song, um, it is a warm hug that he is just like giving you, while he's singing about horrible, hard things to go through, mm -hmm. uh, heartbreak in general, death, uh, you know, poverty, whatever. Um, and when someone like that dies after you've spent years of your life, uh, feeling like they were speaking to you, yeah. that hurts. Yeah. And then there's people who cry whenever the queen dies. <laughs> um, all right, let's see.
Get your Macy's order faster. I don't want to play that one. That's a basic bitch. Well, that's uh, what I need. I know, I know, but that one's too basic. It's like not cool at this point. You know, it's like it's like if I were to play uh, the theme song from Juno or something. It's just like, ugh, why? Uh, Juno's great, but here's this is late John Prine. I actually saw him when this is from his album that he wrote right before he died. His last album. I really like the chorus of this uh, this particular song. Uh, one thing about Prime that is nice is that he, uh, you know how, like, have you ever gotten into Leonard Cohen by chance? Not really, no. So Leonard Cohen, um, you have his early shit, uh, which is, um, it's also about suffering, and it's it's warm, it's cold, it's like, it's everything all at once. It's very, very emotional, but it was written in the 60s and 70s when he was a young man, and he used to have a very high-pitched voice. Uh, and um, So Leonard Cohen and John Prine had a similar like trajectory with that. Like Late John Prine is deep and gravelly, mm. uh, and it's beautiful. Uh, but Young John Prine is beautiful as well, because it's like Young Bob Dylan, where it's like, he had the energy of a young man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I fucking love that. And these guys, um, especially John Prine, he was uh, he spent most of his career being a guy who was not a household name for um, for anyone, but everyone who made country music, everyone who made rock music, uh, uh, everyone who made folk music, for sure, was a John Prine fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of those sorts of guys. Um, yeah, I, I got to see him right before, well, I saw him in like probably 2019, 2018, mm-hmm. and he was with Connor Obers from Bright Eyes. They did a tour together. Mm-hmm. Um. The windows are wide open. Just come on home. Come on home. No, you don't have to be alone. Just come on home. <coughs> you don't have to listen anymore. That was the chorus. Well, but we don't want to get a content. Strike. Yeah, well. and also we can. Yeah, I guess you'll have to. Uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I dig. I dig a sad song. I kind of during the pandemic is sort of. I started getting into sad music. Like. Yeah. Sad music, I like because you can it, you can listen to a sad song and it makes you feel happy. Yeah. And I'm not sure exactly what the phenomenon is. Lawn is very much that way for me. The the Taylor folk albums are like that for me. It's um. 
Maybe it's like uh, subconsciously, like you're seeing something painful being. I feel like it's the same. Uh, like it's happy, the same but... kind of concept as having a bad trip or having. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just not being in denial of your suffering and your pain. Yeah. yeah. And it's happy music is more well, about thing, when you're depressed. You don't want to hear, you know, California girls or no. shake it off or something. You know. No, absolutely. <laughs> that makes you want to put a bullet in your head. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. People are always like, "Yeah, I can't listen to sad music right now because I'm feeling." And it's just like that's when it's for, bro. You know. Yeah. It's, well, uh, I like to listen to it when I'm in a good mood, too. Yeah. It doesn't bring me down. It, it's, That's because um, it's not fake. I I think for me it's almost like a... <coughs> um, it's something... They've turned the sadness into like something good or like... Uh, I, in a way, like, especially like with Lana for me lately, I'm not going good. It's like... Uh, she's just... She's not as sad as her music would imply, I don't think. Yeah. I really don't think she's, like, a mopey, sad person. Like, I think she's like, laughs all the time and has lots of friends and stuff. Yeah. But she really just knows how to tap into that well. And it's yeah. she, It's like a character. It's mm-hmm. And it's like she plays sad so beautifully. Dude, you know something interesting... I, uh, at the beginning of um, the Wanted graphic novel, which is one of my favorite graphic novels, you should read it if you haven't read it. Uh, it's by Mark Miller, the guy who wrote Kingsman. He created Kingsman, uh, Kick-Ass, um, a lot of other fun stuff. But Wanted starts with a uh, a foreword by Brian K. Vaughn, mm-hmm. uh, which is the guy who wrote, what is it that you gave me? Saga? Yes, yeah, yeah. So, and he was writing about Mark Miller, uh, the author of the book, and talking about how he is so good at making dark things, uh, but he's the nicest, you know, most caring, empathetic person that you could possibly meet. And he kind of proposed the idea that people who do make art that is uh, extremely dark... um, uh, they uh, they do that so that they can expel those sorts of mm-hmm. emotions and stuff. And because if you allow yourself to do that, it is a way to like spend that energy so that your regular life can be uh, loving and caring and whatever mm-hmm. and not violent. Um, and I I think that's interesting. So, and like, Lana kind of, I mean, I'm not saying she's like that necessarily, but... Uh, I think that that is probably true. <clears throat> I th- it sounds sounds true to me. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on a big Lana kick lately. Um, I like to, you know, I, I kind of get obsessed with artists and I'll usually still like... Like, you mentioned your favorite. What was your favorite? You were saying... Uh, Sufjan Stevens or whatever. Like. When I well, it used to be my favorite, and now I I haven't felt mine that used way to be years, Red Hot but... Chili Peppers, like when I was in high school or whatever. Like uh, yeah, uh, I I don't really listen to them ever now, but if I do, I like it. I, guess, I think you know, in the high like... school, my if I could say one band that was my favorite, and it, it's embarrassing, but it was the Used. Like that was <laughs> yeah. my favorite band. Yeah. Um. I I liked some good things too. Like I liked the White Stripes. I still yes. stand by the yeah. White Stripes. Uh. And I liked um. Uh. 
I still fuck with My Chemical Romance to a certain extent. Like, yeah. I, I think that they were brilliant as far as like for that time. Like they were they were they were basically a boy band. Like, yeah. um, no, I think they were similarly like a pioneer of a sound. You know, true. Sort of the the blueprint of it, and they like kind of like Marilyn Manson, who whatever, fuck that guy. But yeah. but uh, they were good at packaging um, dark stuff, you know, and selling dark shit, uh, which it, to the masses, like yeah. it's insanely successful. Which, like you said, fuck Marilyn Manson, but I was a huge fan of his yeah. work. I love. And you I, felt as a teen, I would imagine that he connected with you on some. I wasn't level. even really into him that much as a teen. I think really. Later. I mean, I I love pop music. He's kind of the pop version of dark. Yeah, um, he he's <clears> sort <throat> of like the he's a poppier. He uh, took like, like, Nine Inch Nails or something. Yeah, like he's. Uh, I don't know. I think he's he's he he at one point he made great concept albums. Um, yeah, like the the trilogy or whatever. Of, I um, dig that song that he has, but that is called "Killing Strangers" and mm-hmm. it's in uh, John Wick, the first one. It's like several times. He has so much good shit. Uh, he, you know, I th- he was like a you know as it turns out may have been a pretty bad guy. Yeah. Um, Though he was always sort of like, his early work was really great because he was working with sort of better people behind the scenes, like yeah. Trent Reznor, mm-hmm. and I guess like he, you know, he like deeply offended Trent Reznor at one point, and that's mm-hmm. why like he stopped working, like Antichrist Superstore was their last collaboration. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he like really tapped into like dark shit, uh, so much so that like he was blamed for mass shootings and things like that. Yeah, um, and I think he put really <coughs> well once. Like, it's not about like fantasizing about these dark things. It's like getting past them or getting through. It's not fantasizing. Well, it was about part suicide. of a, it's like getting past accepting that that's a thing or something. Marilyn Manson and his young following were kind of uh, um, casualties in the uh, just kind of larger like culture war, like satanic panic yes. project. Uh, Um, you know, it was, it's, it kind of reminds me of what we were talking about earlier with, like, the spilt coffee, like, just these stupid, like, news segments that go, like, get insanely, uh, seen by an insane amount of people and influence pumped into the public conscious, uh, consciousness, and it's usually, if you look at the message of it, it's usually trying to scapegoat or whatever. It's trying to put all the blame on something fucking ridiculous. Well, even knowing what we, you know, like is alleged about Marilyn Manson today, he's not a bad guy because he's not Christian or because he's a, a Satanist or, right. or he's a bad guy because he doesn't respect women and he's a drug addict. And yeah. Like, that exacerbates, you know, bad behavior. Yes. So, yeah, like that was all bullshit. Um, but, uh,. Yeah, Marilyn Manson. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Let's wrap up, shall we? Let's wrap up. Well, do we have um, any more music things we need to touch on? Mm. I, I was going, getting into something, but... Yeah. Let's, yeah. Um, 
Well, I do want to plug our uh, our <clears throat> new artwork that's on our Patreon. And our mm-hmm. Patreon in general, we should, by the time this is up, yeah. we'll have another Patreon episode up, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. We do a lot of, uh, we got into a lot of funny comedy discussions. We talked about the LGBT, which I know people yes. are uh, a fan of. Yes. Discussions about, <laughs> people are a fan of discussing those they things. They want our takes. So if you want to hear our take on the 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 T's and the, the rest of them. Yes. Uh Subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. Um, and I've got a new original short story up there called Theodore's Lament. I want to show off your artwork. Okay. Um, Aaron painted me an original painting for the cover art. <clears throat> um, so we've got a blue skull here. Uh, yes. You know, with a backdrop of a sky. Very proud of that one. It, it, in part because it, I didn't spend very long on it. Yeah. In Which comparison. is sort of the beauty of it. It's very, yeah. um, it's very striking and simple. Yes. So yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it's sort of apropos of what we were discussing, like taking sort of dark, dark thoughts and feelings and putting them into like an art form. Yeah. Because um, this first story is very much like a sort of mind state that I battle with this character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope people like it. I want to get into... I think I want to get into in, in these stories is um, where we, we all see ourselves as sort of a main character. Uh, and we sort of assume that we're the good guy and the protagonist as a default. Yeah. Um, when in actuality, like if we had to watch ourselves from the outside from a day, it would be hell. Yeah. Uh, if you had to observe like your interaction, like any sort oh, of God, negative yeah. interaction you had with someone, you'd be like... Wow, yeah. I am a total piece of shit. So I kind of am interested in writing characters like this that are sympathetic because right. you know they are the protagonists, but they're a bit of an antihero. They're a bit of a you know they have issues. Yes, that they're not seeing. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah. Um, that's in the first story that you wrote, Theodore's Lament. It is like the most grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, story of those horror stories yeah which i we we've been talking about it we've been busting our ass on uh on all this shit we're getting better at being like um consistent uh we're putting everything into this shit uh and when it comes to um these stories this is a very like i don't know that what we're doing Technically, the way we're doing it with the Patreon and it being painted mm-hmm. uh, and uh, whatever, having a podcast going on, and we're doing all of this ourselves. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I well, it's taking a lot of amount of our time, but we want our Patreon to be like have have uh, just a, a huge amount of content. Yeah. That's something that wouldn't really make sense putting out. Like just on YouTube, um, Randy right. Chapter Two is is coming out soon. Yes, um, and I'm, I'm so excited. You're putting a lot of time on the, the second round of paintings, <clears throat> and I want to talk about. You mm-hmm. just posted one. It was like a grove of trees. Yeah, yeah. And you talked about how you're painting from memory. Um, yeah, I love that one. They're looking very like whimsical and mm-hmm. dreamlike. A little, almost a little bit of Dr. Seuss. Yeah, I would say, dude. I one hundred percent. I I got it. I've been getting. I've had a renaissance of uh, of uh, 
Tim Burton being oh, like I fucking love Tim Burton movies right now, mm-hmm. uh, and it's getting a little bit Tim Burtony. Like mm-hmm. I hope my goal is to not make it like lame and like hot topic looking. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not. You're not there. Yeah, but it's. It, I, it's an aesthetic that I like. I'm so excited about because I don't have to spend my time like looking back and forth from a per- computer screen, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm doing. I'm going out of my head and I'm just figuring out. It, it's like I have a new painting process that I'm using, or one that I've like developed this year, where it's more. Uh, de- it's it's more deductive than it is inductive, uh, if that makes sense. I'm not like. What I mean by that is I'm, I'm starting with basic shapes and objects, and I'm just chiseling them out of my head uh, to... Instead of thinking of, like, where an object is, I'm thinking about where it is not, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And it's creating this, like, weird, clunky aesthetic that, I'm, uh, like, I'm developing, and that's what Randy is going to look like. Mm. Um so I guess all I'm saying is that we are experimenting right now with the best ways to promote it, the best ways for the Patreon subscribers to like watch it or listen to it or read it. Uh, and we are going to, I mean, we are for sure going to um, uh, probably this week create a, an audio version of your, your story. Mm-hmm. Because Patreon, I think that that will be... Um, a very popular way, at least for you guys to get into the story. I think you should read it for sure. But I find, know. yeah. So like, uh, we want it to be as accessible to people as possible. So audiobook, you know, you can listen to it while you're doing dishes, that kind of stuff. Yes. So we're definitely going to do that. Um, though I will say, I I do both. I read audio or I read like physical copies of books. I listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I retain a lot more, and I get. It's a lot more enjoyable to physically read a book. Me too. Um, I am so. so that way. I if I read an audiobook, sometimes like I don't feel like I. Um, it's not as fun. If anything else, you can retain information if you train yourself to yeah. like do that. Uh, but the reading is great, and on top of that, um, we we're doing this on Patreon intentionally before as well because at the end of these volumes. I want Randy to be edited, uh, tightened up, like, and made into the best fucking graphic novel you've ever seen. Uh, and I want the same for your book as well. Um, so, yeah, just keep uh, keep up the support. We already have, like, a, a, a good following on, on Patreon. Uh, just a solid start for us. Um, you know, a reason to keep fucking doing it. Uh, so, consider... Consider becoming a prayer warrior. Prayer warrior. It's five bucks a month, and you get access to all of our shit. Should we talk about the potential of? Should we talk? Oh, well, I'll, I'll plug it anyway. Um, regardless. So next weekend or this weekend, rather, presuming this comes out before uh, December second and third. On December 2nd and 3rd, I'm going to be headlining the Projection Room at the Comedy Club of Kansas City, which is upstairs. It's this new room. They're trying to have it, like, you know, be the... You know how at the Comedy Store they have, like, the original room and the belly room, like, whatever. Um, This is a new thing for the Comedy Club here in Kansas City. 
uh, and uh, I get the whole weekend headline, or Friday and Saturday. So I'll do two shows Friday, uh, two shows Saturday. Both nights are going to be pretty late shows, so you'll have like, um, uh, I think it's we have an eight, an eight, and a ten thirty. Uh, yes, so they're eight o'clock and ten thirty. Uh, it's a little forty seater room. Um, I'm trying my hardest to sell it out because I need money. Uh, and also because we want to film shit, uh, because I haven't been posting a lot of my stand up lately and that's kind of because my phone's been fucked up and I just, I've been on the run. Also, I've been like writing a lot of fucking new jokes and doing a lot of, a lot of crowd work and improv. Um, so yeah, just come to that. Uh, it'll be fucking phenomenal, uh, as far as, um, if you are into my comedy, this is the best op. This is probably the best way to see my comedy is at these shows, um, because I'll be headlining. Yeah. So, and we're gonna be posting like you know more of your comedy clips on the Patreon. As on well. the Patreon, yeah. So hell yeah, guys! Yeah, we're to, we're putting in lots of time into this stuff. So we want it to come out as as fast as possible, but we also want it to be like substantial and. And worth your time. So. Yeah, we are looking for uh, helpful hints as well. Like, just let us know. Uh, message us, whatever. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Ways we can improve uh, in your mind. Well, I do appreciate like the, like the you know the audio book thing. It's something we kind of thought about already. But mm-hmm. people saying like you know I probably just won't sit down and read. That's you know that's like yeah. That is that is uh that is just how a lot of people prefer audio. Uh, to consume media. Sure. Uh, so. And I, yeah, like, uh, books feel like a huge commitment um, when we know they're actually not. Like, you can take them at your own pace, you can do whatever, and they're enjoyable. But uh, I am so much more likely to, if someone sends me a link to an audiobook, I'll check it out. Like, Audiobooks are great because you can multitask. Like, you can do the dishes, you can clean, yeah. you can hike outside. I love it for that. Though I find, um, you know, I sort of have attention issues like a deal. You know, yeah. I don't know if it's ADD or whatever. Um, and then you lose your place, you gotta, yeah. whatever. Um, but yeah, so like you'll you'll realize that you've been drifted off, you haven't paid attention, and it's mm-hmm. like this dense high fantasy book that you're like missed in a very important detail. Mm-hmm. Um, what's great about reading a physical copy of a book is you can't multitask. So if you are doing anything besides reading, you're no longer reading. Yeah. And so if you have attention issues, if you have ADD or whatever, it is literally medicine. It's it's literally if you want to read, you have to focus. If yeah. you if you're not focusing, you're not reading. And um, it, it's great because like unlike an audiobook or a TV show, I fucking hate watching TV shows. And being on my phone. I don't know why people do that. <clears throat> I, I hate it too. I put my phone in the other room. And yeah. if I want to be on my phone, I don't watch the TV show. Yeah. If I was that interested in it, I wouldn't be on my phone. So that's what's great about lo- reading physical copies of things. If people I can't wait to release it, the print versions of these. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> it's, 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 it's worth it. It's enjoyable to focus. It's having um, having a, uh, like a chaotic... Uh, you know, uh, 
like stream of consciousness of random shit going in and out because you're multitasking or unfocused is a very unpleasant feeling. Yeah. You know, the Buddhists have spent thousands of years studying this. Right. And that's sort of what is so great about reading is it's 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 almost meditative. Like you have to stop the stream of consciousness. You have to focus on the subject. So. Yes. Um, read read things, people. Read it. Uh, anything else to plug? You have your you know your big headlining show. <sighs> yeah, let me throw out some dates. Hang on. Um. <clears throat> so. So yeah, I have my headlining week next week, and then I'm gonna be in. I'm gonna in the month of December. I'm not going farther than Omaha. I will be in Omaha on the seventeenth of December. Uh, okay, so December tenth. <clears throat> uh, if you're interested, I will be at uh, my friend Petty, uh, JJ Proctor. He was on this. Um, uh, the, he was on the podcast uh, a while back. Um, he has a show called Petty in the Straits, uh, and, oh, fuck, it's at one of the gay bars, I don't know, one of them. Look at, look up Petty, whatever, find his, uh, find his info. We'll put uh, it in the description or something. Yes. Um, yeah, and then, like, the, I mean, the next weekend's Christmas, so, whatever. Hell yeah. <clears throat> All right, um. I think uh, we say our goodbyes now. Goodbye, prayer warriors. Hail Satan. Keep, yeah, keep Read going. Randy. Read Theodore's Lament. Uh, look for the audio versions and the cartoon version of Randy, the stop motion, mm-hmm. uh, whatever we're going to do. There's going to be so much cool fucking shit.